The word paranormal implies that the scientific explanation of the world around us is normal, and anything that is above, beyond, or contrary to that is para. So what sets the paranormal apart from other pseudosciences is a reliance on explanations for alleged phenomena that are well outside the bounds of established science. Examples of this include extrasensory perception, or ESP, telekinesis, ghosts, poltergeist, life after death, reincarnation, faith healing, human auras. But the three broad topics of paranormal activity that we will be exploring in subsequent episodes are ghost hunting, UFOlogy, and cryptozoology. In today's episode, we will be exploring the phenomena behind ghosts, psychics, and spirit mediums. Specifically, why does every culture, people group, and generation share accounts of similar experiences related to the appearance of these spirit beings? Are all these results of legend, myth, and humanity's wild imagination? Or is there something to these accounts? When we hear about paranormal incidents or activities as Christians, how should we interpret them? What does the Bible say about ghosts, psychics, and mediums? And by the way, are psychics legit? Or are they fake? And will this be one of those episodes you don't need to listen to at night, in the dark, by yourself? Eh, that kind of depends on how big of a chicken you are. Welcome, everybody, to the Beards and Bible podcast, the podcast where we talk Bible beards, beats, and Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Not really. Just just the first two. So, Bears beat Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, something like that. Hey, you might notice as you're listening right now, you're like, wow, um, the guy's voices sound a little bit different than they normally do. And there's a reason for that, and um, it's because we're using Zoom right now to record and the reason we're using zoom is because gabe is in a uh top secret remote location yes. gabe you want to tell us exactly where you are right now yeah i am trapped on an island with my three sons <laughs> <laughs> quite literally <laughs> That's about the gist of it yeah we uh we paddled um stacy dropped us off on this uh, side of the highway um the south end of the tent. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> Stacy dropped us not... off on the side of the highway. Yeah. So far, all of this is true. Uh, the south end of uh, Tampa Bay, and the boys and I paddled in our kayaks with loaded down with camping gear and food and water um, about two miles north of the highway and made it to a little island. It's probably about an acre in size. And uh, we slept here last night and woke up this morning all alive. Um, and, uh, but I, you know what? I, I found it really interesting something I didn't really think through, but when you're stuck on a um, one acre island with minimal vegetation, mm -hmm. it's and with your three sons who are hungry and want breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's really interesting trying to find a place to do your business. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and, uh, Hmm. So did you pack? Let me just, I mean, we're just going to talk logistics mm -hmm. here because a lot of our okay. listeners are campers and, you know, we, we've done the survivalist episode where we talked about yeah. the doomsday prepping. So some of some of our listeners are into the outdoors and stuff like that. So we, I think 
Mm-hmm. I don't think we're grossing anybody out talking about this. Did you guys pack any TP? No, we did not. We actually, Ooh, uh, <clears throat> as we were, as we were standing on the side of the highway, the boat ramp, <clears throat> it occurs to me that we did not remember to pack toilet paper. Mm. And I've got three boys, and obviously <laughs> myself. And uh, so Stacy, Stacy graciously runs back to the, the, uh, the van. And uh-huh. she looks through the center console. And, you know, there's always like the Wendy's napkins, you know, that the mom yeah, keeps yeah, in the yeah, center yeah, console. Yeah. So she had about half a dozen of those. Okay. And uh, so that's what we're living off of. It's half a dozen uh, Wendy's napkins. So does everybody get like but, one napkin per day? Is that, how's that working? I honestly don't know. We just put them in his, <laughs> we just put them in a Ziploc bag and I just put them, I, I kind of stuck them in the, in the crook of a tree. And I was like, you guys mm-hmm. just use them sparingly. <laughs> so, but there's, so there's, there's that story in the Old Testament when the oil keeps providing mm. for the man of God over and over again. We're just going to pray that yeah. the Wendy's napkins don't run out for you and your sons. This is like a good sermon illustration, I feel yes. like, in yes. the works, yeah. <laughs> but we have we have plenty of water, albeit salt water, around us. So yeah. if we have to, we can do like a little salt water bidet action and we mm. can go. Okay. Well, nice and fresh. There you go. Yeah. And uh, okay, there's that. Good morning, mm. if you're listening to this in the morning. Uh, hey, so <laughs> is your plan today to kayak off the island? Are you are you headed inland, or where, where are you guys headed today? Yeah, we're we're actually um, packing up now, and we're going to head to a little island that's uh, actually have you know has a, a city on it called Anna Maria Island. Yes, and I'm looking at it right now. It's just like two miles to our west, and we're going to pull up to a pier that has a restaurant at the end of it. And we're all going to eat lunch there, and then Stacy's going to rescue us from there. Nice, but no, it's been it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, That's awesome. You know, man. just camping out with with boys on an island. It's like such a such a blessing. And you know, yeah. we all made oatmeal around the fire this morning. And That's awesome, man. Yeah, a lot of fun. You guys uh, going to put something out on your YouTube channel about it? Uh, I think so. Okay, it's, just, it's hard having it's it's interesting keeping three boys alive on an island yes yes I was about and to then say. filming on top of that and then also keeping track of the wendy's napkins on top of all that yeah and then podcasting so it's like yeah it's <laughs> you tricky. my friend are a man of many talents yeah We're a regular yeah. renaissance man look at there the good news is we were not visited by any hauntings last night during sleep although we did hear some weird noises they didn't seem to be any apparitions mm. or phantasmas is that how you say it? yes yes i think it is my friend yeah so what a great transition gabe mm. very smooth yeah very smooth uh we are starting a three-part um series if you will <clears throat> called exploring the paranormal and um there's a number of reasons for this. I think one of the biggest is because I feel like I have many people that ask me um, about experiences that maybe they've had or experiences that maybe friends of theirs or family members of theirs have had and ask me, what do you make of that as a Bible-believing Christian? And um, really, I think most of them probably fall into this first category that we're going to be talking about, and that is... Um, ghost psychics and spirit mediums um but and gabe and i were talking right before the podcast got got started recording there's been a renewed interest in ufoology and if you think that um that's really obscure and only people that live in their mom's basement and wear 
sweatpants and play World of Warcraft or interested in UFOs. Uh, that's not the case anymore. <clears throat> we were talking about Tom DeLonge, a very famous musician who was uh, one of the um, main artists in the band Blink-182. In the past probably five, six years, he's basically made that his mission in life, establishing an organization called To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, where he's essentially becoming obsessed with UFOs and want people to know the truth behind UFOs. And and so anyway, um, there's a lot I think that we can um, – there's a lot that we can learn from the scripture. And if yeah. we view all of the world from a biblical worldview, then I think there's a lot our worldview has to say about these kinds of phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important, obviously, that we learn about these phenomena through God's unchanging word, um, because there is so much information and misinformation out there about this. So many people want to speak to this topic and they do it. Um, with sometimes with good intentions, sometimes with, with not good intentions, and there's just a plethora of information out there. And we have to kind of sort through it and make sense of it. You know, and, and a lot of it is like this kind of Oprah Winfrey gospel of like, you know, mm -hmm. my loved one, my the disembodied spirit of my loved one is coming to visit me or these kinds of things. And it has sometimes like this very innocent, um, very loving kind of vibe to it. But we have to make sure that, you know, we're tying that back to, and, and looking at that through the word of God. Yeah, and understanding that through the Word of God, not through, you know, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey or whatever. Right, you know, right, right, right. Just using her as an <clears throat> example. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was two experiences I had early on in uh, ministry. The first is my wife worked with a woman at a clinic that um, my wife was a a nurse at, and sadly, this woman had a son who was ten who passed away from leukemia. Um, heartbreaking. Um, and this woman was just in the, just in the throes of grief as any parent that loses a child would be grieving. And she started speaking to my wife about how she took great comfort in the fact that her 10 year old son was still with her and would visit her at night. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, he'll, he'll move objects in the room to let me know it's him. Mm -hmm. Um, she said the lamps will go on and off and I'm, and I say his name and I'm like, Oh, you always did leave the light on. And, and the longer that, um, this went on, the more bizarre these manifestations became. Yeah. And she would talk about how, um, I want to say that like certain pennies would get stacked. Like they would just move on the nightstand and like start to stack automatically. Sheesh. And, and this woman was convinced this was her 10-year-old son beyond the grave communicating with her and having a relationship with her, and that was bringing her great comfort. And so my wife would come home from work and just be like, man, what do I say to this woman? She's convinced mm. that this is her son, right? Yeah. So that was one experience that really <clears throat> the wheels in my head started turning of really, man, I got to figure out like biblically how do we handle things like that. The other experience was early on in my um, days as a pastor, like probably the first few months as a pastor here in the, in the church I'm pastoring now, um, a woman came in to see me and she said, um, I lost my father a few months ago and I've been really struggling with grief from that, but 
my father has been communicating to me from beyond the dead and he's been talking to me and I feel like I have a gift and I'm not only talking to my father, I'm talking to my grandfather, I'm talking to my uncle and they're telling me that, mm-hmm. um, you know, life beyond the grave isn't what I've been told. It's, it's this great mystery and it's not heaven and hell. It's something different. And she goes, and I'm just like, man, what an incredible gift. And she's telling me as her pastor, like, Hey, what do I do with this gift that I've been given to communicate with the dead? <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. So that'll definitely get you, um, researching and reading yeah. and going back to your yeah. Bible when you have an experience like that, you know, what do you say to a woman like that? That's um, kind of stuff they don't really prepare you for in seminary. It's like, you no. know, hey, <laughs> let's let's role play a little bit here. You have, yeah. I'm going to walk into your office and share this with you. And what are you going to say back? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, as 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 um as reserved for you know campfires and these spooky tales may be, they're actually a lot more common than most people may think. Mm. Of experiences that people have either communicating with what they think are entities beyond the grave or entities that can't be explained. And if you just go and look through almost every um, culture, every civilization, every people group, every nation, um, you will find most likely accounts of people having experiences with entities um, Mm. That, that seems similar um, to to what most people would ex- dis- explain or describe as as a ghost, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and one that's really been fascinating to me here in Tennessee, <clears throat> in um, Adams, Tennessee, just outside of Robertson County, is an account um, from 1817 to 1821 of a family of a farmer named John Bell, and it's the account of the Bell Witch. Have you ever heard of heard of this, the Bell Witch? No, I haven't. Fascinating stuff. Um, it's kind of become in recent years one of those like touristy things. So like around Halloween, it'll get really campy. People will give bell witch tours and tell bell witch stories. And there's a bell witch cave you can go to. Um, mm. Which that's another thing that's pretty concerning to me is like we have become entertained through these things mm-hmm. instead of yeah. using discernment and going, wait a second, what <laughs> what is this really about? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, at any rate, in 1817 to 1821, the account, and there's several written accounts of this, um, are that this farmer and his family in Adams, Tennessee, came under attack from an invisible entity that was able to speak, that was able to affect the physical environment, and that was able to shapeshift. Um, Some accounts record this entity to have been clairvoyant, so being able to like know things that they're not able to know and capable of crossing long distances with superhuman speed and or being in more than one place at one time. So if you <clears throat> read about this, I'm not going to go into all the stuff. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. You just look it up, uh, the Bell Witch in Adams, Tennessee. Uh, this family basically talks about hearing noises like um, – scratching and knocking on the doors and walls, hearing the sound of gnawing on the beds or invisible dogs fighting, chains being drug across the floor. Uh, Hmm. This man, John Bell, began experiencing paralysis in his mouth. Uh, The sheets were pulled from beds where his children slept. 
Um, his children's hair started being pulled. His children were scratched. One of his uh, daughters was slapped, pinched, and stuck with pins. Ugh. And so, yeah, so, I mean, all of these things started happening in the house, and the, the creepiest part about it is um, they called in a friend, and the friend was trying to figure out what was going on in the house, and um, basically this apparition that they never had seen physically began to speak out loud. Wow. And, and they asked this apparition, who are you and what do you want? And the voice answered, I'm a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. And so um, what's so interesting is like they said that when they started trying to communicate with a spirit at first, it was like growling and grumbling. And then over time it was like a whisper. And then over time it started becoming more and more, um, coherent, I guess, in the speak. Mm, in the audible, yeah. yeah. So, um, basically, and here's what's crazy. This spirit knew the Bible really, really well. Mm. And this spirit seemed to enjoy religious arguments. <laughs> wow. Which I think is really funny. Um, this spirit shared gossip and other activities that were happening in other households. And at times, would appear to leave the bell house to go to other homes. Um, people would come in to visit. I, I guess it kind of became like a local phenomenon. People would be like, oh, wow, did you hear about the bell witch? We'll go to the bell's house and you can talk to this entity. And so um, all of these things started happening where family members and friends would visit and this entity would know things about that, that particular family that they had no idea knowing like wow. speak, speaking to individuals in the voices of their parents, like English accents and Dutch accents and things like that. Sheesh. Um, and so, yeah, it, it seemed to just get um, more and more blatant as they kept entertaining the spirit. Um, interestingly enough, Lucy, John Bell's wife, was shown a particular form of kindness by this spirit, which, again, they called a witch that this witch would give her fresh fruit and sing hymns to her. And then um, basically the witch is said to have poisoned the father of the family. And at the funeral, the voice of the witch interrupted the funeral by singing drinking songs. Wow. So, I mean, it's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And, of course, this happened in 1817, 1821. So how much of that has been embellished over time, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But this is just one account from here in Tennessee that is pretty common, pretty well known, but literally all over the world in every culture, every people group, and every generation, there are accounts of similar experiences dating from ancient times to modern times. So... Gabe, when you hear stories about that, like what's your first response? Do you see that as kind of a just a sensationalism or a ghost story, or do you see that as kind of a real phenomena that's capable of actually happening? Yeah, it's probably a combination of all those. Um, you know, it, it, it definitely exists, and we in our imagination tend to embellish it. So, it, yeah, and then we kind of sensationalize it from there, especially especially when humans realize they can make money off this opportunity oh, sure. to embellish sure. it even more. But yeah, definitely, definitely exists. And you know, Alabama kind of has its counterpart to that. Um, we call uh, 
um, hugging, hugging Molly and hugging Molly finds kids that are out at night and gives them a bear hug and screams into their ear. Oh, <laughs> and so and like, she yells know, row tad. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a, it was like a way, you know, and then parents would be like, you better get in the house because hugging Molly's going to get you. Get in your bed, hugging Molly's going to get you. So I'd be like, you know, and like my kids, you know, when we're driving through, um, you know, the place where hugging Molly used to to haunt, they would be, you know, I, I will even say to them, you got to stay in the car because hugging Molly, you know, I'll, I'll right, 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 further. Right. You know, I, I, but, you know, I don't I don't know if it started off with like one real encounter and then it just kind of grew and snowballed from there sure which ironically is is perhaps the goal of some of these spiritual entities some of these demonic apparitions mm-hmm. is to be kind of adored and praised and given right. that authority and that power um from human beings to be almost like worshipped by these human beings yes. um, and sometimes we kind of play into that a little bit that's very interesting yeah and and just even um like the Bell Witch, the more I've and and man, there's so many books out there about the Bell Witch, which again points to your your point, Gabe, of like a lot of worship and adoration has been given this entity. But it's interesting if you if you read and study and research the accounts of this Bell Witch, it was a at first what I would say is a, a demonic attack, right? Kids are getting mm-hmm. their hair pulled and noises in the house, and then basically this family's like, well who are you? What do you want? And the entity started speaking and they're like, Oh, well, let's talk more. And basically started entertaining and praising and then calling their friends and family to, Hey, come behold this entity that lives in our house. Right. <clears throat> and then the more the the praise was lauded and the attention was given, um, yeah, the, the more power this thing seemed to manifest, you know? Mm. Um, which is just so interesting how we do that as people, like how we sensationalize and entertain ourselves with these kinds of things, because it is interesting, right? Yeah. But in the same sense, I think it is, um, as Bible-believing Christians, something we've got to be very aware that we actually have a framework to understand these things. We're not walking around in the dark going, I don't know what this is. We, we do know what this is. We just sometimes don't connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we live in this like post Renaissance world of like reason and logic and science and very physical, uh, not non spiritual kind of culture right now. Although I think that's beginning to shift. Yeah. Um, it is. We're seeing that shift, but we're, we're in this, we are the product of when you, when you went to science class growing up, everything was physical. There was Mm -hmm. no metaphysical, there was no spiritual. It was a very secular uh, education. Um, so everything could be explained through science. And so for us, you know, when we grow up in that environment, um, in t- any uh, interaction with the metaphysical, and that's, we long for that, I think subconsciously in our, in our spirits long for that interaction with the spiritual, because right. we know that it exists, we know that it's real. Um, and we know that it's not just, you know, the world is not just comprised of physical. That's just a tip of the iceberg of the reality that we, that we live in. So when we do have encounters with the metaphysical and the spiritual realm, they really intrigue us because we're like, wait a second, the veil is kind of splitting a little bit and we can see through the veil into yeah. the spiritual. And that really intrigues us. And that really, we geek out over that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a whole field now of paranormal researchers and paranormal 
Um, <clears throat> the word science is used, but really it's kind of a pseudoscience. It's not really science because it really relies on explanations that are well outside the bounds of established science. But mm. um, that word paranormal basically means anything beyond what we would consider normal. And that is a growing field. I mean, there's paranormal psychology. There's, you know, like I said earlier, paranormal science. There's paranormal researchers. There's, you know, the movie Paranormal Activity, right? I mean, people are getting very, very, very interested in this, in things like ghost, poltergeist, um, spirit mediums, seances, um, even things like telekinesis and extrasensory perception. Um, interestingly, are, uh, did you ever see Dr. Strange, the Marvel movie? No, I haven't. Okay. So Dr. Strange is, um, essentially Marvel's, um, attempt to, uh, fictionalize and portray, uh, a, a cultic practice called astral projection. Mm. And people that practice astral projection essentially leave their bodies so their their spirit person leaves their physical body it's a pretty well-known thing and you get into a lot of uh yoga and a lot of transcendental meditation a lot of hindu um you will you'll find yogis that practice astral projection all the time basically the the spirit man the spirit consciousness leaves the body and travels in the spirit world and there's okay. a, re a, a renewed interest in that over time i think it's it's quite telling that Marvel has a superhero that does that. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, there's I mean, huge films coming out that basically saying, Hey, this is awesome. You should do this. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and that was one of the troubling things. I don't know if you listened to the most recent uh, episode where of Joe Rogan, where he's interviewing Jordan Peterson, you know, he's had Jordan Peterson on in the past, but the most recent one was really troubling in some ways because Jordan Peterson was talking about, more research should be done and we should be normalizing research into the usage of psychedelics hmm. um, for the purposes of like psychological healing. Yeah. And, you know, the, he, he kind of decried the 1960s abuse of psychedelics and said, you know, we could actually bring that back and kind of normalize that and use that for treatment for people in with psychological ailments and things, um, which I think that that's, that's kind of connected that astral projection of like, you know, let's go into the spiritual realm. Let's use sure. these as a gateway into that world and let's meet our spirit guide and let's have that spirit guide kind of show us the pains in our life and open that up and heal us. You know, that's. Yeah. So I met a young man, um, probably a month and a half ago and he's not mm -hmm. the first young man that I've met that has had experiences like this, but, um, we asked for his testimony. He was actually in a job interview that <clears throat> I was interviewing him for a position um, with our church and I asked for his testimony and he just, his eyes kind of got, got a big and he said, well, to be honest, uh, I started getting into the new age and I started getting into meditation. I started getting into yoga and eventually I kind of worked my way into circles that were encouraging me to do things like remote viewing and astral projection. Mm. And so I started doing astral projection. And as I got out of my body into this supernatural realm, I started encountering these entities that wanted to harm me. Mm. And then I remembered, oh yeah, I grew up reading the Bible and I grew up hearing about a real spirit world of angels and demons. 
these are demons. This is this is all real. This isn't like some vague, obscure, you know, mystery. This is this is what the scriptures talk about. Th- these are the spiritual powers and principalities in high places, and I have no business being here. Yeah. And that experience led him back to his faith and for him to repent of those things and to put his faith in Christ. Um, just incredible. But that's not the only person I've encountered that has had a similar experience to that. They get really into the new age and have an experience like that and say, my goodness, this paranormal stuff really just confirms the validity of scripture. Yeah, no, I I, I have a friend who very, very similar experience, um, dabbling in new age, dabbling in meditation, um, dabbling in recreational drug usage. And then, yeah, started waking up with scratches on their body that Mm. you know they weren't they know for a fact that wasn't them um so yeah you gotta be very careful because it's kind of a slow progression into that realm um and it's always presented as at first like a uh your mental health kind of thing you need this for your mental health right self-care yep yeah um so you think people who aren't Christians get sucked into this topic because there's just something in us as human beings that kind of knows and understands that we're more than just the physical, we're more than just the natural? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think we, we crave for that interaction with the divine, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that um, that's a good word of counsel, though, to, to believers like, hey, when you experience this, when you see this, we shouldn't dismiss this as, oh, people are just crazy. People are just, I mean, may, yeah, some people may be just making it up and have really good imaginations. Mm-hmm. But what we understand about the scripture gives us a framework to understand experiences that people have. So let's uh, let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about ghosts? <laughs> my, my ghost sound effect. Um, in the New Testament... There's two passages that are interesting. And uh, one is in Matthew 14, 26. Jesus is walking on the water in the middle of the night towards the disciples. And the disciples get terrified. And do you remember what they cry out when they see Jesus and they're really scared? Yeah, they said, it's a phantasma. Yeah. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Yeah, Greek word, phantasma which is an interesting one, simply just means appearance or apparition or specter. Um, so that's just an interesting verse. Like the disciples apparently had a framework to understand this thing called a phantasma, uh, a ghost, an appearance. Um, also, if we read in the Gospel of Luke after the resurrection, Jesus says to the disciples, look at my hands and my feet. It is I... Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So it's interesting. Jesus doesn't deny the existence of ghosts. He just said he wasn't one. Hmm. So it seems as though Jesus was not saying, hey, guys, stop it. There's no such thing as ghost. He's just saying, I'm not a ghost. This is my physical body. I'm not not a phantasma. I'm not an apparition. I'm, I'm This is actual flesh and bones i can eat like he ate a piece of fish in front of them is almost a way to prove it yeah so the scripture seems to confirm that these things are real right but 
what are these things I think is, is more of the question to be asking. What, what is a ghost? Because the most popular um, conclusion that we have drawn, I think, in our culture is that phantasmas or ghosts or apparitions or phantoms or whatever you want to call it are the disembodied souls of the deceased. And they're just kind of floating around um, some realm, right? And they want to talk with people and they want to be, you know, mischief makers and move objects around in the house. They want to bring comfort to, you know, their loved ones or whatever. Um, I just think of the the movie starring Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, Ghost. You remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Where, oh, where his ghost comes behind her and helps her to uh, make the, the pottery, you know, on the pottery wheel. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's a throwback. I haven't thought of that movie in forever. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's where a lot of people believe that's what ghosts are, but the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So according to the Bible, what happens after a person's spirit, or what happens to a person's spirit after death is judgment. And they either go to heaven or they go to hell. So there's no category for, you know, the disembodied souls of the deceased just floating around. Um, that that's that's not biblical at all, right? Yeah, yeah. So the question then becomes, if the Bible says that, yes, there are such a thing as ghosts, as phantasmas, as apparitions, as, you know, some cultures call it suspectors, and they're not the souls of deceased loved ones, what are they? And so... Yeah, I mean, biblically speaking, they have to be unclean spirits they have to be they have to be demons yeah um that are that are you know potentially fallen angels um i think you know michael uh heiser does a really good uh uh explanation on this um in his book um reversing herman um but yeah so basically no matter how you look at it they're descendant of or they are fallen angels and then we call them now demons yeah yeah so Angels and demons, that in the spirit world, which is real, the Bible says there is a spirit world. And if you read throughout the Old and New Testament, there are experiences that people have with spirit beings in our physical world. Mm. So <clears throat> there's an account in the book of Genesis when Abraham encounters basically angels that appear to him just as, as men, right? Mm-hmm. And they look just like people, but they're actually angels. Um, I think of the story of uh, the city of Sodom, when the angels go into the city of Sodom to um, essentially rescue Lot and his family um, from destruction in Sodom. The people in Sodom saw these angels and essentially thought they were human enough to have sexual relations with them. Mm. which points out how depraved and wicked the city of Sodom was, but also to the fact that somehow spirit beings can appear in our physical world to some mystery that I don't think we quite fully understand. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it doesn't, I uh, can't, I can't remember the, the reference right now, but uh, was it Paul who talks about entertaining? No, maybe, the, maybe Hebrew talks about Hebrews. entertaining. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, entertaining angels that we're unaware of being mm-hmm. angels. Yeah. 
So if we understand that biblically, okay, <clears throat> real spirit beings, angels and demons, holy angels are righteous and good, followers of Satan are either fallen angels or descendants of fallen angels. However, you know, biblically, I think there's a lot of room for interpretation there, but they're evil and deceptive. Mm-hmm. And then we're told that Satan, one of the things he does, and this is 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, is he masquerades as an angel of light. Mm. And what he wants to do is he wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. And, and how he works, and the Bible says that he is a liar and the father of lies, is that he wants to deceive people. That's his, that's his number one tactic. He wants to deceive people. And so um, I think what some people will call ghosts that go around haunting places and scaring people are, in fact, they're just demons. Um, mm. If I have that framework of understanding, because I know my Bible, I can go back to the account of the Bell Witch in Adams, Tennessee, and almost with 100% certainty pin that down and say, man, that is a... That's a demonic manifestation in that house. That was yeah. a demonic attack against that family. And they didn't recognize that. They started calling it a witch and saying that this witch was benevolent to some people and malevolent to others. And and I would say, no, this was a evil spirit that was deceptive and that wanted to steal and kill and destroy this family. It's exactly what um, this, this demon did. Mm. Yeah, I was in a slum in Uganda last June and, you know, they, a family, I went into a home of a family and they, um, they were saying that they were getting attacked physically at night. And one of the children was having uh, problems breathing at night, like something was pushing on their chest. So they went to the local witch doctor and got some herbs and some different roots and stuff and hung them in their home. And, and the attacks only got worse. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm standing in this home, I'm like, okay, where are these things? Let's, let's remove them out of your home. Let's Let's destroy these things. And then let's pray over your home and anoint it with oil and dedicate it to the living God, the one true God, the creator. And uh, yeah, we did that. And we, we basically cast whatever demon was in that home out, whatever demons, and staked that home out under the authority of, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, yeah, yeah it's, it's weird, though. And maybe you've had experience with it. When you go to other countries other than the United States of America, these these um, interactions seem to be more prevalent and taken yeah. at their face face value. In other words, people have these interactions and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely an unclean spirit." Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the United States of America, and maybe because it's a we're like I said, a product of secularism to a certain extent, that we kind of look at these things and we're like, "Oh no, that's either science or it's the ghost of a un, you know deceased loved one." But we don't. Right. It's rare that we take them at their face value. Yeah, exactly. No, I. I um, I had a pretty profound, I don't know if I told you this about this, Gabe, I had a pretty profound experience my last trip to Uganda. Um, young man that I led to the Lord <clears throat> that was struggling with alcoholism. After we prayed to receive Christ, I just kind of felt like the Holy Spirit started prompting me. And I just put my hands on him. And in English, he didn't speak English. He spoke uh, either Lugandan or uh, one of the other tribes. No, this was an island... So oh, okay. he, he spoke probably one of the little languages there on the island. But mm. I laid my hand on him in English. I just said, any spirit that is unclean and does not submit to the rule and reign of King Jesus or profess that Christ has come in the flesh is not welcome because this young man now belongs to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so in Jesus' mm. name, you must leave. And as I'm saying those words, again, in English, this young man can't speak English. 
Mm-hmm. I watch his face contort. His eyes change to where his pupils almost turn completely black. Mm. <clears throat> or his whole eyes almost turn completely black. And he begins to scream and convulse and take his fist and hit himself against the face. Wow. And um, Mike Sanchez, one of the other guys that was on the team, it's kind of funny. We were, <laughs> it was night and we were camping on this island. And uh, a couple of people from our team were playing cards on one side of the little church that we were camping in. And uh, I was like journaling. And Mike was sitting, messing with his phone. I can't remember. And anyway, this young man had showed up after I had preached earlier that day. He came back to the church later at night and said, I want to give my life to the Lord. So I prayed with him. It was just me talking to him. And the rest of our team was like playing cards and hanging out. So then he starts manifesting a demon and they're like playing cards. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, and I'm like, Mike, 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 Mike. And Mike gets up and Mike comes over. Mike knows what's going on. Mike starts grabbing him. And dude, for 45 minutes, we're praying over this kid. And man, voices coming out of him. His body is like convulsing. His body is lifting up and slamming down. He's hitting himself in the face. Here's the eerie thing. I still don't understand this. This island on Lake Victoria um, had a lot of pigs. Mm. I I know you've been to Africa probably as many times as I have. I've not seen that many pigs in Uganda. Have you? No, no, because they yeah, the Muslim presence there. They yeah. they they have every now and then you'll see a, a place where they sell pork. They call them uh, like pork joints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah so that's interesting. Yeah, so this okay, so here's what happens while we're in the middle of praying for this guy. Um there's it's an island, and then there are pigs on this island, and we're praying over this kid who's manifesting a demon, and the Basically, he picks up his finger and points to one of the pigs. Wow. Right? And so, you know you know what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking the story in the Gospel of Matthew, Gennacerines, how Jesus sends the demons out into the pigs and they run off the island into the water. Um, I didn't know what to do, but in my spirit, I'm like, well, I'm not Jesus. I'm not going <laughs> to... So I just told somebody to go shut the door of the church so this demon can't point to pigs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's really I came, interesting. I came back from that experience, though, having to go back to my Bible and go, you know what? I need a framework to understand this better. Mm. Um, because when you do ministry here in the U.S. and everybody you encounter is very rational, very logical. Everything has its nice and neat little tidy box that you put it in. And then you go to another place and you see the power of the Holy Spirit and you see real spiritual opposition like that. You come back from that going, man, this stuff is real. Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of like the the big overarching deception that has kind of settled in the United States of America and the West in general is that that stuff doesn't really exist and you have to work hard to kind of see the cracks in the veil um, here in the West. But that's kind of like, it's almost like the goal, I guess, of the enemy here in the West. It's been very successful. Yeah. And, and I think like, as we're going to be talking about the paranormal, the next few episodes, the three broad categories would be ghosts, psychics, spirit mediums. That's the one category. The second would be UFOlogy. 
and then the third would be cryptozoology. <clears throat> and and if you research all three of those, what you'll find is a definite link to the occult in all three of those. Mm. And so in one sense, we are becoming decidedly post-Christian, rational, scientific as a culture because we're deciding that scriptures and the counts of Jesus, that's all hogwash. But then we're saying, but man, what about all these other experiences? And and there is a whole world of darkness and a whole kingdom of darkness that is stepping up and saying, hey, we're going to give you answers for what this is, but we're going to deceive you from believing in the one true God and the salvation found in the name of Jesus. Mm. And and I believe yeah. that's what's happening in our, our culture right now. Yeah. Yeah, you could be right. I think one... one uh commentator i listen to uh says that we're entering he describes a post-secular era where we are throwing off the idea of secularism and embracing spirituality but yeah like you said it's like an a la carte kind of embracing mm -hmm. the spirituality mm -hmm. where there's good and bad tied into that and it seems like mostly the bad is rearing its its head unfortunately yeah so i think a question that i think <clears throat> some people may have is okay so why do these ghosts or why do these spirits that um, people encounter or even that mediums, which a medium is somebody who um, claims to be able to contact the dead. I think of John Edwards from the show Crossing Over. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I forgot all about that show. Yeah. So why do these spirits, if, we, if we've established through a biblical framework that these things, they're not the souls of deceased loved ones, they're demons. Why do they present themselves as dead people? Hmm. Well, when we read about the character of Satan, 2 Corinthians 11 says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising that if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, the language there basically means they pretend to be someone different than they actually are. That's what the Bible hmm. tells us. That's what how Satan specializes. He pretends to be someone different than he actually is. Interesting. So demons have been around a long time. Demons have taken very careful notes about others. They <clears throat> know things about dead people because either they've lived around them or possibly they've lived inside them. And so what they want more than anything is to deceive the living into thinking there is no such thing as heaven or hell. Mm. and that the afterlife is vague and mysterious. And so all of this is simply an act of deception. It's simply given to lead people astray. It's really, too, an act of fear. <coughs> I think that's what so many demons specialize in, just getting people afraid. Yeah. Yeah, and isn't that kind of like connected with with um worship as well you know the effort of saying what you fear is what you worship what you worship is what you mm -hmm. fear and that's kind of like you know they're looking for looking for that admiration through fear but also maybe that comes it's connected with um presenting this false notion of self-sovereignty of humans as well right um but yeah that's i think that that that, that fear component is definitely there like it starts off with like this mysterious um i'm here I know you, I'm, I'm familiar. And then it turns into, okay, now, now I'm going to be doing some things that are going to get you to fear me 
And, um, and ultimately, I've seen this a lot of times, I don't know if it's 100% of the time, but when, they're com- when, when there is demon oppression or possession, ultimately, it leads the person to do things to hurt themselves or to end their own lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> that's the end game, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. the, the perversity and the wickedness of evil spirits is so complete that what they want for humans is not anything short of wanting to see them destroyed and wanting mm-hmm. to see them taken to hell. Um, which hell was not created for humans. Hell was created for Satan and his demons. But what Satan and his demons want is for as much of humanity to go with him to that place. Mm. And so this whole deception act um, is just one more front in Satan's assault against humanity um, by any means necessary to try to get people to not believe the one true God, to not believe that salvation is found in King Jesus. Mm. So it's kind of overwhelming to think about how many people are caught up in this deception. You know, it's sad, truly, to think about. Um, When you drive down the highway, you see signs for psychics and how psychics somehow have some sort of connection with the spirit world. And and I've had many people ask me the question over the years as a pastor, um, are psychics real? Like, is that, you know, the, the one... 900 numbers you see on late night TV that you can call, you know, Miss Cleo and get a psychic reading, you know, <laughs> is that real? Is that legitimate? And um, what would you say to that, Gabe? Somebody asked you that. Are, are psychics real? I would say uh, it just depends, but absolutely there are some that um, are so uh, in tune with the demonic and spiritual realm that, yeah, they could they could probably very likely communicate with demonic entities and give you an, an accurate reading on something that is, you know, yet to happen. Right. And what's interesting, if, if you're like, well, how in the world does that work? The honest answer is, I don't know. But Acts 16 mm-hmm. tells about a fortune teller who was in the city of Philippi that was able to predict the future until Paul cast a demon out of her. So, yeah, that's that's a really interesting story, Josh. I was just looking at that a couple of weeks back. <clears throat> um, I just taught on that chapter at our congregation. What's and and um, I hope I don't go off on too much of a tangent here, but no, she had it. the Greek. It says that she had a, a python, python spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Numa python, and it is directly connected to uh, Greek mythology when these Pythia, these women, would be. Um, uh, suspended over this pit that had volcanic gases emitting from it, and they would hmm. breathe these things in, and they would give, they called her the Oracle of Delphi, or Delphi, and the Oracle would give a, what they, they called her a Pythia, but she would give an Oracle at the city of Delphi on the seventh day of every month for nine months of the year, and she was thought to be channeling the voice of the god Apollos. Hmm. So she had what what they would call lesser Pythia who were possessed by the same Python spirit. Uh, and she could, and no, you know, the, so the lesser Pythia would be all around the Greek world and they would be, people would go to them and, and give them a good deal of money to tell the future. And so when in Acts 16, it says that she had a Numa Pythion, 
uh, she had is it's a spirit of python in her hmm. um that's what it's referring to is she is one of the lesser pythia connected back to the oracle of delphi so when paul cast this demon out of her the spirit out of her hmm. he is completely decapitating and disconnecting these people's connection to the demonic realm in the city of philippi and that's why it says that people brought so much money to her to, to give you know they, they well, and she was a slave girl right i mean she yeah, was making yeah. her masters a lot of money they're basically pimping her out uh yeah, to, to get yeah. money yeah but yeah that stuff is real and, and it's and it's interesting because the stuff that all that all that python spirit stuff and, and apollos defeating the the uh, python um spirit and thus being able to channel that and allow these oracles to give these fortune talents like that happened thousands of years prior to yeah. the events in act 16 so it's like that stuff is like still prevalent in their imagination and in their 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 religion their cult i guess yeah um so these things are, are all so very ancient yeah well and what's so interesting about that is apparently in in the book of acts that demon inside this slave woman was able to communicate information somehow even about the future yeah. uh, to get people hooked in to seeking a knowledge source um, that was essentially from the demonic. Yeah. And, and so if we kind of <clears throat> look at our modern equivalents to that, there are many people who are seeking out a knowledge source from psychics, from mediums, from spiritists, from even tarot cards. Um, I don't know how popular Ouija boards are anymore, but there are people that mess around with that in a way to seek out knowledge. Um, and really the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, it's the same deception. It's just repackaged in a different generation to look different. Yeah. And when you look at the old Testament, one of the things that God says in his law to the people of Israel in Leviticus twenty twenty seven is a man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. She'll be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. And in Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 13, there shall not be found anyone among you who burns his son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or as a sorcerer or charmer, a medium, a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. So there is no category at all for any Christian that believes the Bible and wants to follow Jesus to do anything with or have anything to do at all with the occult, with spirit mediums, with psychics, with seances, with fortune tellings, with tarot cards, Ouija border, astrology, um, even ghost hunting. So there are shows you can go on Discovery and watch these people that camp out in haunted houses and try to communicate with ghosts. Um, our next episode, we'll talk about Demi Lovato and how she's really <laughs> she she's really into this now. Apparently, she likes to sing to ghosts and UFOs, which is kind of oh, funny to me. <laughs> it's, well, it's pretty, it's pretty only, cringy, but uh, yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> not only are we not supposed to have any kind of casual connection with those, a relationship with those kinds of things and those interactions, we're supposed to understand as people indwelt by the in the Greek, the pneuma hagion, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness, God's yeah. spirit, the spirit that 
drives us to be obedient to his word, drives us to be set apart, drives us to be Christ-like. We have authority over that realm. Amen. And we can express authority over that realm if we are being attacked by that, mm -hmm. um, if we are being oppressed by that. Um, and I think what you did, it's a really good, um, you know, you might go back and, and listen to that just, I mean, what was that, like 10 or 15 minutes ago, that, that prayer that you prayed over this young man in Uganda, you're, you, what you're doing is you're reminding that unclean spirit that this person is being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you have no legal grounds to possess this person. Mm -hmm. You legally have to leave now yeah. by the blood of the Lamb. <clears throat> this, this person is now a bondservant of Christ, and you cannot dwell in this person. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, man, like that experience shook me because I think um, growing up in church here in the U.S., it felt like we were given very kind of nice and neat little tidy answers to next time you see Satan, you tell him where he's going and he'll just get out, you know? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'd prayed with people before that were experiencing some goofy stuff going on in their house or that will experience in some darkness. I'd, I'd had encounters with people who had experiences like that, but never to that level. Yeah. And so it wasn't like, I laid my hands on him and said, in Jesus' name, get out. And it was instantly out. Dude, it was 45 minutes. Wow. I mean, like, exhausting, right? I mean, just... You, mean, you didn't put on, like, um, Gospel Bill or Salty the same song book for him? <laughs> I and... tried Salty. That just made it worse, man. It was... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, like, I think one of the things that it, it reminded me of was this is a battle. Yeah. And man, we could say what we want about Satan. He's a liar, but man, he's not a quitter. And um, <clears throat> it just reminded me, I think, having that experience of just how we can never, ever, ever, ever put our guard down and, and basically fall asleep at our post because Satan is a lion that's prowling around seeking whom he may devour. I mean, that language is literally like an apex predator hunting at night, looking mm -hmm. for prey that's falling asleep, right? Yeah. And and if we, for one second, think that we can just, you know, coast and, and let our guard down, man, we are setting ourselves up for a tremendous amount of deception and attack. And, and man, it, it, that experience changed me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, never yeah, the same that. in terms of that and um yeah so i think i have a renewed passion for exposing the works of darkness that's what the book of ephesians talks about I have no no part in the works of darkness but rather expose them um you know when i come back from something like that and then uh our high school in my church talking about how awesome this new movie is about demons because it's halloween i'm just kind of like okay we got a lot of work to do, you know? Yeah. And that's, it's an uphill battle because yeah, our, our media sources, I mean, gosh, Disney movies are just, they completely uh, working to normalize. I'm not saying every Disney movie obviously is working normal, but there are movies where you're like, wait a second, they're conjuring up the spirit of a deceased loved one. This is mm -hmm, not kosher, mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it, it's your uphill battle. And like you said, the Marvel movie, music, um, 
Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. There's just yeah. so much that's just being inundating our youth, especially right now, that <clears throat> this is normal behavior, this is normal activity. And um, we, have to, we have to really teach them the word of God to be able to recognize um, things that are prohibited in scripture and things that are unhealthy, things that will lead to and open up uh, that, that demonic realm to them. Yeah, absolutely. And and please don't mishear us. We're not saying there's a demon behind every bush. We're not saying you should go home and, you know, burn your kids' Pokemon cards or anything like that. Like, um, I think what we are saying, though, is this stuff is real. And as Christians, like, we need to be discerning. We need to have our guard up. Yeah. And and we need to be exceptionally careful about opening doors Um in the name of entertainment. And I, and I think that's what I see more in the West. We, our God is entertainment. That's what we, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll sit through a three and a half hour football game and we get bored 45 minutes into church. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we'll, we'll sit through a, you know, two and a half hour Marvel movie and hold our bladder and not go to the bathroom. But then, you know, church drags on for 10 minutes longer than it usually does. And we pitch a fit. I mean, our God is entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so we will sell out our allegiance to King Jesus for entertainment. Mm. We'll, we'll go to a movie about demons and not blink an eye if it keeps us entertained. And that's, that's sad. And so I would say to, to any, any of us as believers, like, let's rethink this. There are some movies, there's some shows, there's some topics that we don't need to participate in. Yeah. I mean, we need, we need to live in fear and look for demons behind every bush and, you know, go light our final records on fire, you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, we do. The answer do need is to, not paranoia, right? The answer is not paranoia. It is a, a, an ounce of discernment, though. I think we can swing too far the other way, um, and not. Well, yeah. Not, and the ironic thing about that, you could, you see, maybe people or families that do that, they swing too far the other way, and, and they enter that realm of paranoia, or they right. enter that realm of like, yeah, let's <clears throat> let's not bring anything into our home that, you know, has a picture of this or that, you know, playing cards or whatever. It's like, right. Well, you're actually what you're doing is almost paying homage to those things. Exactly. You're actually giving them the worship that they, they want mm-hmm. by doing that. You don't have to do that. Just just be sober-minded and, and allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to things and be flexible. Sit your kids down and say, hey, guys, look, we're not going to watch this movie because here's why. And yeah. here's why yeah. we're concerned about this. Now, when you guys move out, you can watch it or whatever. But, um, yeah, just be really sober-minded and be loving with your family yeah. in that kind of discretion and those kinds of judgment calls. Um, explain yeah. to them, teach through why you're making these judgment calls. Yeah. Yeah. For our uh, six-year-old, he loves dressing up. He loves um, characters. Like he's really big into Star Wars right now. Before that, he was really big into uh, The Hobbit. <clears throat> and then before that, the movie Jungle Cruise with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which I don't know why he picked that one. But um, mm. he just, I mean, he loves the world of storytelling. He loves the world of uh, costuming and, and yeah. And, and so, um, every October when everybody around him is getting dressed up and saying happy Halloween, he's like, man, I want to get dressed up. I want to find a good costume. I want to, <clears throat> you know, when he has a sweet tooth, so he loves candy. So, um, we have had to find a way to like figure out how to have good, clean family fun. That's, Jesus exalting and God glorifying that doesn't give in or sell out our allegiance to Jesus by participating in the works of darkness in October. Mm. So yeah. we have said to him, buddy, we do not celebrate Halloween. However, at our church, we do a fall festival in October. 
And that's what we celebrate. Mm. So, man, you can get dressed up and you can come to church and there's bounce houses and we got trunk or treat and you can go out and get candy from <coughs> different people in the church. But, man, we're, we're not going to dress up like ghosts and goblins and trolls. We're not, we're <laughs> not doing that in our house, right? And it's it's funny. Uh, <laughs> we picked him up from school. I guess Halloween was on a Friday this past year. We picked him up from school, and and we said, "Hey, man, how was your day?" And he was like, "It's great." But Dad, there's a lot of kids in my school dressed up like demons. Wow. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." No, no. If, if you, if, I mean, the last ten years, Halloween has gotten sadistic. Yeah, I mean, the, man. There's a neighbor of mine who is suspending corpses of children in cages from his tree in his front yard on Halloween. I'm like, Good Lord. what on earth? What? And I, like we, that time of year go a different route because I don't want my kids through the window seeing the, albeit fake decomposing corpses of children hanging in cages yeah. from my neighbor's tree. No joke. It's just like, man, it's, it's almost like it's the veneer that we've, the, the Western commercialist veneer we put over Halloween. It's mm-hmm. starting, it's starting to kind of thin a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's weird and it's you know there's like far more fake graveyards in people's front yards than i remember as a kid right yeah yeah yeah. no you're you're right man and i think that's again our god is entertainment so mm-hmm. if we're entertained by that it, it does not matter if it is perverse and vile and demonic like man that keeps me entertained what's wrong with that right and and i think we need to lift up the hood a little bit and go hmm we need to ask the question, how does that honor the Lord? And is, is that really something Christians need to be doing? So anyway. I'm excited to dig into these next couple episodes. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So next episode will be UFOlogy. So everybody get your tinfoil hats and uh, watch your Close Encounters with the Third Kind by Steven Spielberg's homework. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of yeah. other really, really good UFO movies. <laughs> Contact well, we got, Jody uh, Foster. We got very, very felicitous uh, mention right now is Will Smith Independence Day. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, oh boy, Will Smith. He, yeah, he laid He's, the smack down. Man, on he really some, slapped uh, those aliens, didn't he? Oh man, we could devote a whole episode just talking about Chris Rock <laughs> getting slapped. It's such a mixture of feelings because it's like I, Chris Rock is one of the most annoying right, actors right, in, right. in my life. Like if and he said that about my wife, I think I'd slap him too. You know. Well, to, to see him get slapped and like that, just to see that, it was like, like, admittedly, it was like, you know, I'm guilty. It's a guilty pleasure, but it was like <laughs> seeing that brought like a smile to my face because he's very annoying to me. But then I'm like, oh man, but did Will overreact? And I'm like playing all this yeah. out. And I'm like, oh man, I'm falling into this, this trap of like talking yeah. about the hot, Oscars. Hot takes on the slap, right? The slap heard around the world. Um, here's an interesting thought and I'll leave us with this. Uh, one of the guys, I think he was from Barstool Sports, uh, pointed out the fact that Will Smith has dabbled in Scientology. Mm-hmm. And Scientology, this sounds so bizarre, but apparently it's true. He showed documents that proves it. Scientologists basically teach that if someone disrespects you in an open forum, you have the right to slap them. Wow. And if you don't slap them, you will be slapped later. Wow, that's bizarre. So this journalist from Barstool Sports is kind of connecting the dots, and he's like, of course Will Smith slapped him. He's a Scientologist. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's one hot take I didn't hear. So there's one yeah. theory. Who knows? Finally, someone who actually did some 
contextual research in that situation. Yeah, really whether whether or not it's true, I don't know. I'd have to research it myself, but that is an interesting theory. So anyway, maybe we'll do a whole episode on the slap. So here, what if um, what if I have some of the boys say bye here as we, yeah. as we depart our uh, our island adventure? You guys want to say bye to Josh? Bye. See ya. Bye. Did you guys enjoy See camping guys. on the island? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the the enthusiasm is uh it exudes i can yeah, hear you're it tired you can tell we're tired <laughs> we're gonna try to make it back to civilization here nice well man you guys be safe and have fun and don't eat too many fish sandwiches at the rod and reel restaurant on anna marie mm. amazing amazing restaurant we used to eat there in college great stuff yeah man all right <clears throat> well, you guys have fun and uh we'll see you next time man all right thank you everybody for listening yep see you guys next time All right, everybody, that's our show. A big shout-out to our musical producer, Chase Payton, for new intro and outro tracks. And if you like what you've heard today, subscribe, give us a share, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.